We wrapped up our James series last week, and it was a phenomenal series, and we're starting a new series today called Not Easily Broken, and we're going to be doing a five-week deep dive into relationships. I know right now there's somebody that just like said, uh-oh, uh-oh, we just got in a fight on the way to church, and now we're talking about relationships. Uh, we're going to be focusing on relationships for the next five weeks, like I said, and we're going to be focusing on some specific areas. We're going to be focusing on friendships and relationships in the workplace, romantic relationships, marriage, dating, relationships within the church, and how that's supposed to look. And today, we're going to be starting with what I think is the key to healthy relationships, the, the most important thing for healthy relationships. And I'm about to ask you to throw out some answers, but let's just take the obvious one away. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate thing for a healthy relationship. Do we agree on that? Right? Okay, so now, what if I told you, you came to church today, and I was about to give you the key to relationships? How, would you be excited? Would you, is that something you'd like to know? What do you think the key is for relationships? Somebody shout it out. Somebody shout it out communication. I've heard that one. Trust, that's good. What else? Love, that's good. Truth, good. So, hey, all great answers, but not the one we're talking about today. The key to relationships is forgiveness. Forgiveness. This is the key that all relationships are built around is the ability to forgive. And we're going to talk through uh, forgiveness today and what that looks like, but I want to start by just kind of painting a picture of three ways forgiveness can work. There's three ways forgiveness can work. Number one, forgiveness uh, can come in the form of forgiveness with closeness. There's forgiveness with closeness. Like, uh, for example, in a marriage, we are close to each other. And we're going to stay in relationship with each other. We're going to stay close. And we will have to practice forgiveness in a marriage. Amen? Just ask my wife. She practices it every day. <laughs> we have to practice forgiveness. And there's a closeness that stays with this act of forgiveness. But then there's another way of forgiveness where forgiveness with caution. This is forgiveness with a cautious approach to the relationship. This is more forgiveness on the end of myself, forgiving inside and being cautious with the relationship. As Pastor Dan would say, you can have forgiveness without trust. This is a cautious relationship. This is like that friend in the friend group who every time you're around them, they just say something rude. They say something mean. They hurt you in a way, and you're just like, I just don't enjoy being around them. That's okay. You can practice forgiveness with caution. You might still be around them in circles. You might still see them around, but you are going to be cautious with this relationship. You're going to have boundaries put in place where you're gonna make sure that you are practicing this in the right way. Just after the last service, one, somebody came up to me in the lobby after this sermon. He's like, yeah, we practice forgiveness with caution with my mother-in-law. <laughs> and the wife goes, what? <laughs> caution. The third area of forgiveness, what it can look like, is it can be forgiveness with closure. This is the area of forgiveness where forgiveness has happened eternally, but you are closing that door of that relationship. You're not furthering the relationship and being in the presence or pursuing the relationship. You can practice forgiveness but close the door to a relationship. This might come in the form of you have been really hurt by someone. They are not repentant. 
They, they, they have hurt you, and they are not repentant. But you are going to practice the act of forgiveness in your own life and then close that door. That's okay. That's okay, because we're going to talk about what that looks like for the series. But the reason why I give you these three areas to kind of look through forgiveness is we're going to tackle some hard subjects when it comes to forgiveness today. And everything that pops in your head, I want you to run it through this cipher. Am I practicing forgiveness with closeness? Am I going to stay close to this person? Am I practicing forgiveness with caution? I'm just going to have boundaries. Or is this, I'm practicing forgiveness and I'm closing the door? So as we go through that, let's dive into Scripture. Colossians 3, verse 13 says this. Make allowance for each other and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Remember. I always love when Scripture says remember. It's like, remember this. It's almost like we forget a lot. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you are called to forgive others. Point blank, let me say it. Forgiveness is not optional. It's not. Forgiveness is a command. We are called to forgive just like Christ forgives us. And when you think about our relationship with Christ, the only way we are allowed in relationship with God is because of his amazing forgiveness and grace. That's the only way this happens. When we, when we step into relationship with Jesus, it has nothing to do with us and our good works. It's 100% his forgiveness, his grace, opening that door. Like it says here in this scripture in Romans 3, 23 through 24, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. If you got your Bibles open, circle glorious standard. We all fall short of his glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes this right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. What is the standard for heaven? Perfection. Perfection. Heaven is perfect. The standard for entry to heaven is perfection. I don't know about you. I might be the only one here. But if it was up to me getting into heaven on my own, there's no way I could. Because I'm very far from perfect. Now, if that's the standard, how do we enter heaven? How do we go about life as a Christian? Why are we here today? If that's the standard, why are we here? For everyone has sinned. And what this is saying here is the standard is perfection, but through Christ Jesus and his sacrifice and the offering of forgiveness, we are made perfect in the sight of God. This is a beautiful picture. That even all of our imperfections and all of our brokenness, it's Christ's unwavering, beautiful forgiveness and grace that he offers to us, that he gives us, that we can't earn, that makes us right. Our whole faith is built on this act of forgiveness. Us, our eternities, are linked to forgiveness we didn't earn. And if we're honest, not just did we not earn it, but we take advantage of it. We, we, we betray it every day. But his mercies are new. His grace pours out. And his forgiveness is offered. So that's the standard. 
if this is what he's calling us to, if Christ is the model for, for, uh, for what we should live like, Christ-like, Christian, and he's calling us to forgive like he forgave, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for us in our relationships, in the day-to-day, ins and outs, the span of relationships, the hurts and the past and the pain and the present? What does that look like for us today? What are, how are we called to live? I, I find this in Luke 22, verses 49 through 51. But let me set the stage here for what this is going to look like. Jesus is about to go to his crucifixion right before this passage in Luke He's about to go to his crucifixion to endure great amounts of pain. And he's in the garden, and the disciples and him see the armies coming to get him, the soldiers coming to get him. Can you imagine what that moment's like? It's coming. They're coming to take Jesus, unrightfully so. He he did nothing wrong. There, There was no reason why they should take him. So what should the logical response be as someone who follows Christ. Well, let's see what they do. In Luke twenty-two forty-nine, 49, it says this. When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? Should we fight? And I love this line. We brought our swords. We brought swords, Jesus. Should we fight? Should we defend you? Should we stand up for you? Should we do what's right? Something really sticks out to me when it comes to our relationships. When we look at these men who are close to Jesus, when they were faced with something that was unjust and hurtful, their first response was fight. Not only that, we brought swords. They, they had swords. How many times in our relationships are we entering into that relationship in a time of trouble, in, in a time of working through something, and we're bringing swords? We're bringing swords in the form of my, my, my sword and my opinion. I brought my opinion, and it matters. You're going to hear it. Swords in the form of words. I am going to make sure you know how bad you've hurt me. What's our sword that we're carrying? So they say, Jesus, we brought our swords. And then it goes on, and one of them struck the high priest slave slashing off his ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touches the man's ear and heals him. What a, what a just a beautiful picture of the difference between Jesus' response and humanity's response. Humanity's response is to stand up and fight. Ah, we're good at that. We are good at fighting. Jesus' response is so different. Lay down the swords. Not only that, let me heal your ear. Do you understand the magnitude of this? This man is about to take him to his death. Not just his death. Painful. Flogging. Beating. Crucifixion. This man is about to take him there. Jesus, he has every right in this moment to call on the armies of heaven to come fight for him. He has all the power in this moment to change and do whatever he wants, but his response is forgiveness and grace and healing. If Jesus is the model, this is how we should live. Because healing cannot come from a place of anger. 
Healing cannot come from anger and fighting. Healing comes from forgiveness and grace. That's where it is. That's where Jesus is living. So I want to talk a little bit about what forgiveness leads to and what unforgiveness leads to in our life. When it comes to relationships, forgiveness leads to hope. Practicing forgiveness in our relationships will lead to hope in those relationships. And it's not just a one-time thing where we forgive and that's it. Sometimes in these close relationships, like the ones that are, we're staying close, we're in relationship with, it's going to be forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. But there will be hope for a future there. There will be hope for movement there. So if forgiveness leads to hope, Unforgiveness leads to hopelessness. When you are practicing unforgiveness in your relationships and you are holding grudges and holding on to things and just staying angry, you will find yourself in a very hopeless situation. You will find yourself, look at the disciples. Unforgiveness leads to hopelessness. You will find yourself in a place of fighting and anger and striking back. Forgiveness, second thing forgiveness leads to, is forgiveness leads to peace. When we practice forgiveness in our relationships, you will see peace start to come into your life and into your relationships. Forgiveness can be like the breaking of a storm in a heavy storm relationship. It can be the clouds parting and the seas calming. Forgiveness leads to peace, but unforgiveness can lead to resentment. Unforgiveness can lead to resentment. This is what it looks like when we we, we don't practice forgiveness and we have unforgiveness that we're holding on to. We will become bitter and angry with people. We will become frustrated. We will just turn really resentful, not just with the one person or the relationship. It will start to shape everything around us. Anybody ever experienced this when you're just really mad at someone and you're resentful? Maybe even rightfully so. They did something horribly. But it starts to shape how your relationships with everyone else, how it looks. I, I mean, I'm angry at you. I don't know why. It, I don't know why I'm angry at you. I'm just resentful because I've been hurt. And I'm living in unforgiveness. Third thing forgiveness leads to is forgiveness leads to pain. What? That doesn't seem right. Why would forgiveness, Shane, why would you be telling me to do something that's going to hurt? Because it's good for you. Forgiveness can lead to pain. When you start to practice a lifestyle forgiveness, you will find yourself in painful situations where you are battling through really hard things. And it will hurt. And it will drain you. And it will be a struggle. But it will always be pain with a purpose. There's purpose behind that pain. To grow in the relationship and find freedom in the relationship. You wonder how I know this is true? Because the ultimate act of forgiveness was very painful. It was very painful for Jesus when those whips hit his back. It was very painful for Jesus when those nails went into his wrists and feet. It was very painful for Jesus when he pulled himself up on the cross just to breathe. That was painful. 
But there was purpose behind that pain. And the purpose was for you and for me to one day step into his grace and forgiveness and spend eternity with him. Just because it's painful doesn't mean it's wrong. But in our culture, right, if it doesn't feel good, run. If it hurts, hide. No, there can be pain with purpose. Sometimes battling through this stuff working through this, seeking forgiveness, even in the most painful situations, that purpose is important for us to focus on, not the pain itself. And just like pain with a purpose, unforgiveness will lead to pain without purpose. When you live in unforgiveness, you will experience pain because it will start to eat at you. The pain just doesn't go away. The hurt just doesn't go away. When we leave in unforgiveness, we will live in pain, but there will be no purpose, there will be no growth. We will just stay where we're at. And the truth is, is that's exactly where the enemy wants you. That's where he wants you. I wanna just make sure we're clear on one thing, just so we're clear, we're all on the same page here. There is an enemy, and he doesn't like you very much. Uh, Let's take it a step further. There is an enemy, and he hates you. He doesn't want you to succeed. The devil doesn't want you to practice a lifestyle of forgiveness. He wants you to get stuck in unforgiveness because he knows when he has you there, you'll be in his grasp. He'll be able to pull you back down. He'll be able to turn you bitter against the world. He'll be able to turn you bitter against your brother and your sister. This is where he wants you. Because he knows if you start to forgive like Christ forgives, you will experience peace and hope and freedom. He doesn't want that. He's going to do everything in his power to keep you from there. And he will use those, those deep, dark pains that you have. And he will convince you over and over again, don't, don't go there. It's going to hurt. Stay away from it. He will use the little day-to-day things to bring you bitterness and anger into your life so he can just keep his claws into you. This is where he wants you. This is where he wants you to stay. But as, as we follow Christ, we have to remember that our life and our relationships should be moving forward. We shouldn't just be stagnant. We shouldn't just be stuck in unforgiveness. We shouldn't just be stuck in resentment. We should be moving forward. You know, think about water. Think about water and how it works. When there's a river, you may, you get a vision of a big river flowing. Anybody seen a big river flowing? No, nobody? There's a Truckee River's right there. <laughs> Need to get out more. River flowing, just coursing over the rocks and flowing it's beautiful and clear but have you ever seen a pond ponds are gross they are they got algae they got a bunch of muck in it fish die in there I don't know where they go ponds are gross I will not swim in a pond but I will swim in a river why because river there's a current and it's moving forward It's going places, so it's purifying itself as it moves. Now, a pond is stale and stagnant, so all this grossness just continues to grow. All the algae and the buildup continues to grow. If you go and drink from most rivers, you'll be fine. 
don't, don't, just don't try it because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> but if you drink from a lot of ponds, it's not going to be good for you. You're going to get sick. Our relationships are the same way. When we are pursuing movement forward, it will start to purify. But we are so much, we want to stay angry in the moment, and I want to be knee-deep in my gross pond and just be okay. And then we try to drink from the water, try to pursue a healthy relationship. We're like, oh, I feel sick. This feels wrong. It feels broken. It hurts. Why? Because we're staying still. We're still in the grossness. We're still in the nastiness of this. Until we start to move forward and allow the current and the movement to change us, we start to feel that peace and that freedom. Okay, moment of transparency. I hate to move. I think moving is the absolute worst thing in the world. Anybody relate to that? Now, you know what's worse than moving? Helping someone else move. I got a truck, worst decision on my life. Oh, Shane, can you come get this thing? Oh, yeah. I hate it. Moving is just the worst. And you know what's worse than moving? The packing. Oh, I get nightmares about it. I just moved like six months ago. I hated it. It's horrible. The packing is just miserable. And packing with kids? <laughs> It's like you pack a box, you come in, you leave for 10 seconds, you come back in, it's all open. <laughs> Hate it. But there is something good about moving and packing. Is it causes us to enter into the evaluation stage of our things. See, there, there's three things when it comes to a move as we begin to pack. There's only three options. Option one, we see the item, and we evaluate the item. This will be something that will go in the box, and when we get to the new place, it will be taken out and in the house. We put on display, it will serve a purpose in the house. There's also the things that you question. You're like, I don't know why I still have these baseball cards. I don't know why I have this, but I, some, I just can't get rid of it. For some reason, there's attachment to this. I haven't seen it in 10 years, but I love it. This is the kind of thing where you'll pack it up and you'll put it in the box, and it will live in your garage. It'll be close to inside, but just far enough away. And then there's the third option, where you will look at stuff, and you will decide, this isn't going in the house. This isn't going in the garage. This is going to the dump. Or donated if you're a good person. But those are your three options. And our relationships are the same way. When we evaluate our relationships, there's things that we go sometimes and we start to pack and we start to look and evaluate our life and there's some things that are gonna go into our house. These are the relationships with closeness. There's some things that are going to get left in the garage, this distant, cautious relationship, but not ready to get rid of it. And there's some things that just need to go to the dump, need to be closed, need to be closed off. There's something magical about packing. You start to evaluate a lot. What does it look like in our life? 
I think about this box and I think about packing and my, like our lives, what could, all the stories that could be told about these boxes. I mean, what about this one? Man, my marriage is hard. Man, we've been battling and going through it. And I'm evaluating the, the life and I'm, I'm saying, what should I do? As I'm getting ready to pack and move and get moving forward in this, when it comes to my marriage, this is coming in the house. You know, I'm done living in bitterness and anger and brokenness. I'm going to choose to forgive, and this box is coming in the house. I'm going to fight for this one. I'm going to put it in display. Or what about this box? This is a big box. It says extra large on it. What's in this box? This box has been in my garage for years and years, never even been opened since I first packed it away. What do I do with this box? This is the box from that person that hurt me horribly. Man, the words that this person said to me broke me down and has shaped my life in a way where it feels unlivable sometimes. And this box has been living in my garage, living in my life. What do I do with this box? I'm so angry and bitter because of this box, because of what this pain is. Maybe today is the day where I choose to forgive. Oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. But maybe today is the day I choose to forgive and, and close that door. And this box isn't coming with me. As I move forward, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to practice forgiveness. I'm going to choose to live in peace and hope. But this box ain't coming. This box staying. This box is going to the dump. But I've worked through forgiveness in my life. And I'm going to move forward. What about this box? This is a really cool box. It's unique. What's in there? For some of us, maybe this box is God. You're deciding what to do when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to God. Because once you pray to prayer, you pray to prayer for that family member that was sick. And he didn't show up. This box has been living in my garage. And I've just been resentful and angry. But maybe today is the day where I'm going to get right with God. I'm going I'm I'm to practice forgiveness in my life and trust that his ways are greater than my ways. That I might not understand everything, but his ways are greater than mine. And this box that's been sitting in my garage, it's been distance. I knew about God, but I just didn't like him. Today, as I move, as I'm going forward, I'm starting new, and this box is coming inside. This box is going to be in the center of my house, where everyone could see, as I choose to forgive. And then there's one last box.
What's in this box? I don't know about you, but this one's been hard for me. This one's me. This box is me. I've done so much in my life. And I've hurt so many people. I've lied and I've stolen and I've betrayed. And I come to church and the pastor always talks about forgiveness and grace. And I know, I know that Christ died and I know that he's forgiven everyone, but not me. How do I forgive me? But maybe, maybe today's the day where I really look at myself in the mirror and I choose to start to love myself again, to forgive myself and believe that Jesus' grace is enough and his forgiveness is enough. I'm done living as a shell of myself. This box is coming inside and I'm gonna start to forgive myself. It's coming with me. I don't know what your boxes are. I don't know what boxes you're struggling with, what you're hiding in. My hope is that today we can start to practice forgiveness like Christ calls us to. We can evaluate our life, start to open some of these boxes that have been locked away in our garage, our spiritual garage, and start to find healing. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for the wonderful day you've blessed us with. And pray that as we move forward this week, you would continue to speak to us and show us what boxes we need to practice forgiveness with. Give us clarity, Father, to know which relationships we need to practice forgiveness with closeness or forgiveness with closure or forgiveness with caution. Give us clarity here, Father. We know we are called to forgive, but give us clarity on how to do so. We love you and we praise you in your holy name. Amen.